0: Welcome to Hot Breath Comedy Fam on Monday, May 13th. I am teaching a clean comedy workshop. The last four I have taught sold out very quickly. So if you want to learn about clean comedy, the business side, where the line is, how to write clean comedy, go to the link in the description of this episode and we'll see you there. When we're thinking about making Money, maybe talk about building a relationship with the venue, but then also your audience to get them to come mm-hmm. back.
1: Yeah, well I think the, the uh, both are very important. Both are very important both are more important than any of the aspects of the comedy show. Like I think, I Boom. think, of, I think about the people at the venue first, and then I think about the audience before I ever think about who am I booking for this show. And then with the audience, it's I think that's um, equally as important is figuring out who your like regulars and stuff like that are, and figure out who your core audience is, and then you know treating them almost like friends.
0: Hot breath. Yeah, this is faunted water okay they do custom labels so they hooked up the hot breath verse with uh labels that's cool and now listeners can go on hotbreathpodcast.com and get them oh that's awesome we're merchandising nice we're all growing here joe <laughs> isn't that exciting that's pretty cool it's been a while since we've done this yeah so let's would you are you good with that yeah 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 It's a
1: fancy looking microphone
0: yes it's the same ones we've been using since day one okay cool so let's let's get them into it here. You ready to do this, man? Let's do it. Are you excited? Yeah. How you doing? Good I'm to see so you. I'm so good. Good to see, see you see again. You. Yeah. Hot breath of verse. Welcome back to the. Year. Let's take two on that. Should we take two on? <laughs> take that? two. Take two. But we're gonna leave it all in. All right. Because this is a one man band. <laughs> I'm not gonna edit. Hot breath of verse. Welcome back to the Hot Breath Podcast, your weekly guide to comedy mastery. I am Joel Byers. Today we have a master. Of show production, hot brethren and sisterin, and this gentleman has been working for ten years honing the craft of developing a show that actually can be a tour. He's done seminars with these. He is the blueprint for how you can produce successful shows. He's actually a previous guest as well, back in Hot Breath episode number thirty-five. That'll be linked in the show notes for you to check out if you want to hear his first interview. But this episode is all about the DIY approach to making your comedy a business. He started out just hustling through yoga studios and moose lodges, and now he has developed his system into an actual production company called One Up Comedy, straight out of the ATL. Joe Pettis, welcome to the Hot Breathiverse. Thank you for having me back. I'm so excited, man. The Hot hot Breathiverse, I like that. Yeah. (laughs) A lot's changed since we did this.
1: We did the first one in your... In my living room. In the living room of your apartment. Now you have a home. Yeah, yeah.
0: You have a car? I
1: have a car, yeah.
0: You're a grown-up. Yeah, finally. It <laughs> only took the mid-30s yeah. I guess, <laughs> to get it done.
1: Well, I was a grown-up uh, in my twon- mid-20s, and then I started doing stand-up comedy and gave it all up.
0: Right, yeah. By right. now, I'm back on track. So. <laughs> you're like, I couldn't get into grad school, so I'm just going to do comedy. Exactly, yeah. And it's paid off, man. Yeah. And in looking back on our first interview and now researching you and what you've done since then, It is impressive to think about what you've accomplished, but you started your first show in 2009. It is now 2019. Yeah. So this is a 10-year journey that I think comedians need to understand is that you failed a lot of shows before you figured out what worked. Mm -hmm. So starting from the beginning, what do you look for when you're approaching a venue about a show?
1: Uh, Well, these days... I would say all the venues I produce shows that are...
0: Let me get all, let me yeah, get that mic our, all up in you there. Uh,
1: uh, venues that one way or another have actually approached me. Interesting, okay. F- for example, we're here at the Highland Inn. The way this started was Jane um, Neal Smith was doing shows here. And she um, approached me and was like, hey, would you be interested in doing shows uh, there as well? And I was like, sure, I'd like to try it out. And then as I started, I kept doing it. I started forming a better relationship with everyone involved here. And that's kind of like what I found, is the the places that work are the places that want you to be there. Mm. Um, and over the last, I'd say, four or five years, m- pretty much every venue I've done a show, it has been a place that one way or another has sought me out. Like, not necessarily sought me out, but was seeking to do comedy. And then maybe someone else made that connection, like, this guy does comedy shows. Uh, I'm no longer doing, like, the cold calling, showing up to venues, saying, like, uh-huh. hey, do you want to do, like, a, do you want to do a show or whatever. So even my first show, 529, that was... You know, the owner of 529 saying, hey, we, we're we a new venue. We'd like to do comedy. So from my experience, my best shows have been in places that just wanted to do comedy in general.
0: Yeah, and like the, your Sweetwater show. Yeah. That it was the first brewery comedy show, which is now like a template for people mm-hmm. to start comedy shows. The first brewery show in the country, but it was a tweet that exactly. kind of started that now eight years doing mm-hmm. it. And it's one of the dopest shows in the country. Right. So would you recommend comedians looking to start a show... Is the cold calling approach a good way to get your, your feet wet? Or is it to, like, maybe wait till a show comes to you almost?
1: Um, I guess it depends. I'm glad. I I think I did. It helped for me early on doing, like, this showing up to venues and seeing if they'd be interested in comedy. It got my foot in the door. And then it kind of helped me uh, learn the in, in and outs of, like, producing a comedy show. So maybe. So I, was, I would say in some ways it's it's nice to kind of go in a place where you're not is invested and then maybe fail there. Right. So that. Later on in your career, you can do better somewhere else.
0: And what would you say to these venues when you're approaching them?
1: Different things. I uh, basically say, "Hey, would you be interested?" Like, I guess I actually, I, I still, I take that back. I still do it somewhat. Like now, I'm now I'm living up in North Georgia. I have started approaching other venues up there, but none of them have reached back out to me. <laughs> so, mm. uh, so, so it's kind of like uh, disheartening to be like, "Okay, I have all these successful shows, but I still can't get my foot in the door in some other places." Uh, but for, what I would usually do is just, you know, give an example of what I've done. Okay. You know, I, I've had success. I say I have more success now. Uh, that's how I approach, like, venues if I'm trying to go, like, farther out. Like, I recently, early this year, I did um, a show in my hometown of St. Mary's where I did, like, the same, like a little community theater they did there. Mm. And I sold them, like, hey, I, I you knew I produced these successful shows in Atlanta. I'm originally from there. I think I could do well. Uh, so kind of, it's, it's probably, like, similar to, like, getting booked at a comedy club or something like that. You kind of have to just pitch them who you are and what you're doing. And, and well, give them previous examples of success. So.
0: And you are you looking for venues when you do cold call venues? Are you looking for venues that are already doing like live events, like music or karaoke or something?
1: Tends to help a little bit, yeah. I think. Okay. Um, mostly, yeah. What I've been doing is these days, like approaching kind of like private event venues. Kind of like mm-hmm. Highland Inn for the longest time was like a private event venue. Still is. They do like weddings and stuff here. Right. It wasn't like a traditional. We do music every night or karaoke every night. Um, those, I think it probably helps to start finding those type of places because they already have, they probably have the infrastructure. They have like a, maybe have a stage or sound system. Less mm-hmm. things you have to be involved with yourself. Um, my, my main thing nowadays is I try to find uh, my main thing is I try to find places that don't serve food. That's my interesting. Yeah, I, I prefer venues that don't aren't like I do do some shows that are at restaurants and stuff. But I prefer to try to stay away from that because I feel like the more Other variables you have involved that more it takes takes away from the comedy, you know? Ah. It's hard getting laughs when people like ordering food or stuffing their faces, you know? Simplify. I I hosted too many shows at comedy clubs when no one's paying attention to you because, you know, they're (laughs) placing their orders at the time. I just didn't want to have that anymore, so.
0: Okay. So, in thinking about something like a Highland and Ballroom compared to like a bar or a restaurant, this is a private venue that does private events, how do you approach them in terms of, you know, the pay pretty right. much, you know, like how do you say, okay, let me do this event, but I also want you to pay me and just trust that I'll deliver. Right. Well, yeah. these
1: days I, I try to find, you know, I, it was a, it's a mix of trying to find venue. Like, I think, I feel like you have a better experience if you're doing like bars and restaurants. Those are the ones that are going to be more likely to give you like probably a small guarantee. Mm. Uh, but with a venue like this or other venues, these days I try to find venues that will just Basically, do a door deal with me. Let me keep most, if not all, of the door. You guys keep the, you know, liquor sales and all that kind of stuff. It um, kind of work out way like that. You know? Sometimes there's like a rental fee or people, a lot of venues want to do like a 50/50 split. Mm-hmm. But I, my experience is I feel like I can profit more by doing a, a door deal. You know It's nice to get a couple hundred bucks as a guarantee, but if you're, doing, if you're selling tickets at the door and you can sell out, you're going to make a lot more money.
0: And what is when you say most of the money? Are we saying like seventy five percent is a good bargaining chip?
1: Maybe something like that. As, like I said, a lot. lot of, like I, to this day, I still do some venues, uh, not so much in the city, where I do like a 50-50 deal. Okay. Um, I try, but these days, I, if I can't, I try to get one hundred percent of the door. Yeah. You know? And but I think it, you have to kind of earn that. You have to kind of prove yourself first and earn it, and then show that they're going to make money in other aspects.
0: That's what I was going to say. You've been doing Sweetwater for eight years. So yeah. is it kind of like as you build rapport and a reputation with them, it's like, okay, the door deal may have been this, but then we can, we can start to open that up more. Mm-hmm, yeah.
1: Okay. And it changed there because like when the, when the beer sales laws changed here in Georgia, for the first, I don't know, what, six or seven years we did that show at Sweetwater, they weren't technically allowed to sell beer. So it was like samples. Now they're allowed to sell beer. Mm. So when that changed, they, want, they came at us about approaching it totally differently. Because now they're trying to, you know, sell as, make as much money selling beers as they can,
0: so, oh. so it kind of
1: helped us, but hurt it hurt us and help, helped us and hurt us in the same way.
0: So, so yeah, that's I noticed. Yeah, the last time I was at that show, I think it, people were paying for the beer instead of yeah tickets now. I yeah, think, now you, you pay
1: admission, you should get like two beers, but then you have the option of buying more beers afterwards, which was never an option beforehand.
0: Okay, so when it also when we're thinking about making money you know because this is something i produced java monkey for like seven years and i was never really able to retention was a struggle Mm -hmm. and i like how you said here at virgin the highland Inn that you built a relationship Mm -hmm. with the venue and it's grown together so maybe talk about building a relationship with the venue but then also your audience to get them to come Mm -hmm. back
1: yeah well i think the, the uh both are very important. Both are very important. Both are more important than any of the aspect of the comedy show. Mm. Like I think, I Boom. think, of, I think about the people at the venue first, and then I think about the audience before I ever think about who am I booking for this show. Because uh, then, when I know those elements, it's going to give me an idea of who would be good to book for the show. Gotcha. But for me, the relationship with the with the venue and the people who work there is the most important. Like I, like you know, the the, the this, I, every show I'm here, I have the same two guys working downstairs, you know, as and, and the bartenders. And, not, like, my, friends of mine, we text each other regularly. We, we stay we stay up and play video games afterwards. <laughs> and for me, that's always been important. Because I've had, you know, some experiences where I do a show, say, like a bar and stuff. And every time I show up, it's a different bartender or different servers, And half the time, they might not even know there's a comedy show happening. <laughs> so having that kind of relationship, you know, and to the point now here... Uh, well I literally have a key to the place like, they, they trust me enough to give me a key to the venue so I can come and go as i please Wow uh, so it's, it's stuff like that like that that trust level I think is important and then with the audience it's I think that's um, equally as important as figuring out who your like regulars and stuff like that are and figure out who your core audience is and then you know treating them almost like friends you know like yeah. I, I feel like i, I like i 've been doing it long enough where I suppose I have fans, but I don't think of them as like fans. I think about them as friends, you know? Uh, so I think that's a, that's another key aspect to think of.
0: How do you develop a relationship with your, how do you make your, your, whatever you call them, audience members your friends? How do you do that?
1: Uh, just kind of like acknowledge them, I think, is a real simple stat, you know, a real simple thing. Like if I see someone who's regularly coming to shows, I'll say hi to them or, you know, mm-hmm. just shake their hand, thank them for coming out, stuff like that. Uh, actually, I learned that. I, I think I learned that from Jerry Farber of all people. <laughs> I, I, I did a, I did He's a. Been on here. Yeah, I did a run with Jerry. Where we did some comedy zones across like the southeast. And uh, be, before the show, he would walk up to every single audience member and shake their hands and thank them for being there. And I thought that was like kind. I didn't want to go necessarily go that approach, but I thought that was kind of cool. Oh,
0: we're good. I was adjusting the, uh, the video. Awesome. The perks of being a one man band. <laughs> yeah. Did. You want to make it all right. So, do you also greet the the guests as they come in? Do you do anything like that? To an extent, like, like I, you know,
1: I, sometimes I'll sit at the door and just kind of, like, hey, how's it going? I think I, I do it more, like, the end of the show. Like, I'll make a point to try like, I don't stand out in the lobby waiting for people to pass by. But mm-hmm. if someone makes eye contact with me, I'll, like, acknowledge, you know, like, I try to get the that level. Like, you know, um, I think if you get, like, I don't know the exact percentage, but it's, like, probably, like, a 10%... 20% people who are like hardcore fans and those are the people who you um, not necessarily want to acknowledge in formulation but it just kind of I think it just happens naturally like and those people are the best people because those are the ones who are gonna keep bringing they're gonna bring their friends to uh-huh. tell everyone the people who truly are invested into the show um, those are the ones who I uh, you know and, and I, don't, and I don't do like a strategic thing it just kind of happens
0: yeah cuz you mentioned a second ago to find your core audience mm-hmm. how did you find your core audience First off, I think they just kind of found
1: me. Like you know, okay. you can tell because they'll like you'll see someone at a show three times, and then they send you like a friend request on Facebook or something. or they start talking to you after show, stuff like that. You know, you see interactions online and stuff like that. Um, there's a guy actually comes to all the shows, almost all the shows here. And then I was in Nashville recently, and he was at the show there. And I was like, did, you, I was like, did he follow what? Turns out he's a huge fan of Dusty Slice. <laughs> <laughs> was there, I, I thought, like, oh, this guy came all the way from Atlanta to see me. No, it turns out he was just, I, I, I was just like, you know, I, was, I just happened to also be there. <laughs> uh, but he's just someone, like, one of those examples of someone who's just a really, like, a, a real big fan of comedy. Mm-hmm. And those people, I think, are, like, I think we're in a, a boom right now where comedy is really popular because yeah. of people like that. People, like, I think as also probably more good comedy now than it ever has been before. So it's, it's kind of like a perfect mix of things.
0: Yeah, and that's why I wanted to do this episode at this time because comedy is booming, and I would like to empower comedians to you know take advantage of this mm-hmm. boom and build an audience because not only are you building your business, but you're actually able to build an audience and a following and mm-hmm. people who will that you can then be like, hey, I have merch or hey, I've got this going on. Right. That they'll engage with you.
1: Right. And yeah, I think that was uh, an important aspect is when I when did one when comedy, I focused, I started focusing more on the brand than I did on myself, hmm. which I think in, in some ways has, hey, oh. <laughs> hey, <laughs> yeah, has, uh, has uh, had positive impacts on my career, but also neg- you know, positive in the fact that I have these successful shows, but I'm not necessarily as successful as a comic as I maybe imagined myself t- as I would be 10 years in, you know? But I think I found success in other avenues, like you know, like I I feel like I'm a, I feel like I'm a pretty good comic, but I feel like I'm a really good show producer, mm-hmm. uh, and embracing that aspect, you know, and seeing like this is what I'm really good at. Let's focus on this and focus on building this brand and stuff like that.
0: So, that's funny. You're like I'm ten I'm ten years in, and we all go through that mindset where we're like, but yeah. When you start comedy, you're like, oh, but I want to be on Comedy Central. But now it's like you could take a step back and be like, oh, well, I have a podcast, I am consistently working, I'm Mm -hmm. getting to do comedy full time. Exactly, yeah. Great, you have your own production company, you're doing comedy full time. Mm So I think it's, it's good, especially now with comedy booming and everyone wanting to try comedy, having that perspective of not Looking at the 1% of comedy and being mm-hmm. like, no, that's comedy. It's like, what we're doing is comedy. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's a different path for everyone. Yes, yeah. exactly. And, na- and now the irony is like, yeah, I think, you know,
1: when I first started out, I imagined myself being on Comedy Central. Now <laughs> I imagine myself producing a show for Comedy Central. I think yeah. I'd rather do that, you know? I, I, like, for me, um, putting together the overall picture and seeing that succeed is, uh, uh, you know, more enriching than a good set can be. You know, mm-hmm. seeing the overall show like seeing the o- everyone on the show do good, like that for me is amazing.
0: Yeah, you have big vision in terms of you're looking. You want to do something like the Fox Theater? Like, yeah, 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 yeah. I've never, been, I've been actually
1: never actually been to the Fox Theater. Cause I've always, <laughs> I've always, I used to say I, I, I was waiting until I perform there. Oh. But now I'm waiting. To, like, I'd like to produce a show there. You know? Yeah. Do you have a timeline on that when you're trying to... Uh, nah, well, this
0: whenever. Oh, okay. <laughs> Before I'm dead, I guess, you know. I didn't know how structured your business was, because you're doing multiple shows a week, and mm-hmm. you, it seems like you do have some infrastructure behind this, hey, dude, there's an yeah. like actual structure behind it. A little bit. I
1: try to like live in the moment as much as possible, but now, so many things are being thrown at me. Like, now... You know, for the last few, you know, few years, I've i really succeeded on just producing showcases. Mm. But now other comics are hitting me up like, hey, we I love to come do and come through and do a headliner show and stuff like that. Um, like I just booked a guy uh, who's like a viral sensation from Scotland who I, I had never heard of, but they reached out to me. I was like, okay, let's put it together. And he's selling fast. His tickets are selling faster than anyone else I've ever dealt with. So Whoa. to seeing, so kind of like it's, it's like a learning process the whole time, like figuring out. Oh, okay, I've, I've had success at this, and this is how I thought. This is how to do, it. and now I'm seeing it as other different avenues to for success as well. And booking shows, like it used to be, you know, the idea of booking myself a show four or five or six months from now seemed kind of far. And now I'm booking
0: other comics that far out. Wow! Know. Is there a specific thing in terms of the actual show setup? Like, because I've heard we we briefly touched on this in the previous interview, but it is like the environment of the show itself. Mm-hmm. You mentioned kind of touched on like the chairs and lighting and things like that but maybe for a comedian also looking at a venue or now they're at the venue and they're like okay how can i set this up for success what are some tools or tips or strategies you've learned that really set up a show to be a success
1: i think uh where you have a room where the focus of everyone in that room is going to be the whatever the whether whether there's a stage or not, should be on the performer. Mm-hmm. So every chair mm-hmm. should be aimed at the performer. Every light should be aimed at the performer. There should, you try to avoid as many distractions. That's why I don't like food at rest. Like food because also if you have food, it, tend, it tends to be tables. I hate having tables at comedy shows mm-hmm. because tables encourage discussion, like we are right now. Like when you're at the table, you're used to talking to other people. From, so from my experience, if you have a table, those crowd members are far more likely to talk to each other. Mm-hmm. I want every single chair facing the facing the stage where that's all they see. It's, it's gonna be much harder to kind of look over to talk to their friend. And I feel like that kind of I mean, it makes it less likely it's gonna happen. So that, yeah, so I think to set up a room, it, whatever room you're in, everything should be focused on the, p- the performance aspect. Mm-hmm. So, you know, no, obviously no TVs on, stuff like that. You know, have all the light. Uh, if there's lighting in the room, it should all be on the comic. Like my biggest gripe is when you show up to a venue and the whole, say like a bar, and the bar's lit up, but then where we're performing, it's like dark. <laughs> you know, like right, it, that, that drives me crazy. <laughs> Uh, so stuff like that, just kind of focus on you know having everyone's attention on what's going on in that moment.
0: Even the comics, what I what I respect about your shows is a lot of the shows comics will just be in the back, just kind of dilly dallying. But like if we're talking, you're like, guys, shut up. Yeah, I, yeah, I make them, I make them not like, actually. So for example, here um, I have specific
1: seating areas for the comics. If you if you want to be in the showroom, you have to be in one of those areas. Mm. You don't have to be in the showroom, but you can't standing in the back, because that, again, it takes away from the show. Uh, but yeah, you know, I, I said a while ago like 90% of running a show is just telling other comics to shut up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I'm guilty of it myself, you know, if I go to other shows and I'm not focused on the production aspect, I can kind of get caught up in that moment, too. Uh, but yeah, I think it's just like a respect thing. Like if you if you're in eyesight of the performer, they, you know, you should either be focused on them or not be in the room. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it drives me crazy when I'm on stage, and I can see comics in the back talk like it, I especially on my own shows like i just I did Sweetwater recently, and, um this last Monday and the whole time I was on stage, I saw two comics at the bar talking, and i couldn't I, I was out of the moment because that's all I could think about was why I walk up to him and say, "Hey, guys, just quit talking you know and I almost it was it, it, was, it took everything in me not to say that while I was on stage because I didn't want to take away from the I didn't want to draw attention to what was happening, so stuff like that, yeah, and like controlling the room controlling. The comic thrown all this, because for me, uh, you know, people would complain about like bachelorette parties or drunk people at shows. They're easy to handle. It's, it's the comics who are a lot harder, you know, because <laughs> I think comics also have egos. Yeah. You know, so it's sometimes you know you have to be. Some people are pretty fragile. If you go up and ask them to quit, you know, to quit talking, that you know, sometimes you get some uh, some gruff from them, you know. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I think it's control. Basically, you want a room where you can control every aspect of that room, and that's why I love doing shows here at the Highland Inn. Not only do I have, literally have a key to the place, but, you know, I'm able to control the soundboard. I'm able to control this light board. A lot of places you go to and they have their own person who does that, which is fine, but it's just one more element that I don't have control over. Uh-huh. You know, even like Sweetwater, we bring in our own lighting, we bring in our own sound, we bring in our own chairs just so we can have complete control of everything that's happening there. Control. Yeah, control, yeah. Because it's something, we don't have control over life and you don't really have control, I think, in many ways over your career, but if you can control the aspects of the show that kind that's something you can't have control over
0: what are some other mistakes comics make when it comes to even getting booked or yeah how they i guess we kind of touched on them at the show itself but even comics i know from booking a show for like seven years how annoying mm-hmm. comedians are and you're i booked one show yeah a week you're booking several what are some tips you have for comics on hey these are, these are a few things to help you get booked more.
1: Right. I um, read an article that where Cal Canaan got interviewed, and he, and he talked about how before he blew up, he was like 10 or 11 years in, and he would never ask for spots. In his mindset, he just wanted to be, try to get as funny as he could so that other people mm. would ask him to do shows. So I think that's important. It's kind of waiting your time. And I was real Boom. bad about that when I started off early. I would message every booker in the world trying to get, like, yeah, you know, I think, like, Within two weeks of doing comedy, I was like messaging comedy clubs and like, you know, across the <laughs> country. So, hey, I saw, I see you have David Tell this weekend. I would love to you know, like just um so I think it's kinda just be patient. Like this it's it's, it's f- for you know, some people have a fast track to success in comedy, but most people don't. And I think, you know, you have to kinda be humble and just patient and just wait for your moment. Um I'm lucky enough I think some a lot of I think we have a scene now where people kinda learn quickly that the best way to get up is just kind of be funny and wait, mm-hmm. um, and I also think if I have enough shows that I get people in pretty regularly. Uh, so, but you, usually, what happens is like maybe new accounts will hit me up, and I kind of like you know, hey, I'll I'll get to you when I get to you, you know. And I will say it quite like that, <laughs> uh, but I'm saying like you know, I book every show. I I I I, de- I I approach every show differently, and I book almost like I have shows for months out, but I kind of approach, okay, what's this week's show, you know? I don't I don't I try not to book out too far. Unless it's like you know, like an out-of-town comic or someone visiting, or someone has like, you know, like I'm helping Dedrick Flynn record his album in August, so stuff like that, special moments, or someone's like, hey, I'm filming this thing, I'd like to, you know, I'd like to get some stage time. So there are some exceptions, but for the most part, I tell people like, I'll get, to, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll kind of get to you, you know, and you know, if I if I book you for this show, it's probably gonna be a while before I book you for another show. So mm. kind of like, but you know, I I if if you if you if you're funny, I you know, and you're. Um, you know, respectful of the craft, I will, I will eventually book you on one of my shows. Is hanging out important and like showing up to your shows even if you're not on it? I think it definitely helps okay. as long as you're being you know respectful of the show. Uh. It's funny because I think a lot of comics say that. My, like, I I knew I know that I know that I um definitely got booked for shows or especially like clubs just by being there. And, you know, I I I won't say clubs specifically, but it's a local club where I knew if I showed up on Tuesday or Wednesday to check it out. Chances are the Booker was gonna hit me up that Thursday about doing weekend shows. Versus, if I reached out to them, I might not have gotten as much response. Uh, and I think that does help, like, especially my shows, because you know I sometimes someone doesn't show up. So if someone's there, I, I you know oh you might be able to get up just by being there. I, I probably have put Greg Barons on more shows just by being, there, and I have booked him just because <laughs> he's, he's 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 hangs out and he's respectful. And if I need someone, I know he's gonna succeed. Uh, but I think sometimes it hurts comics they'll come and they, they're more social, and then in my mind I just don't want to book them. They're like, there are a handful of comics who come to a lot of shows, and every time I have to ask them not to talk during my show, and, be, and so then they go, they move to the, they, they don't, I wouldn't say they move to the end of my list, they just don't, they just get erased from my list of people who I eventually want to book, you know.
0: How do they reach out in terms of like an email? Well, you have a form on your website now, right? yes, yeah.
1: so when people reach out to me now, I usually tell them, if it's someone I don't know, uh-huh. so I usually say, hey, here's a submission, and I'd say ninety-nine percent of them don't even go through with it. Yes, that's uh, a great filter. Yeah,
0: do this one extra step to get to this, mm-hmm. and literally like ninety percent of people are like, nah. Never exactly. Mind. Yeah, and you're like, oh, they weren't really caring anyway. Yeah,
1: and I'm and I'm the same way. Like, you know, I think if you want to do like you know feature or headline clubs, a lot of them you have to send your veils and all this stuff. And I haven't really succeeded at that because that's something I just don't. In my mindset, I just don't. It's just something I do. So
0: mm-hmm.
1: I'm lucky enough that I have
0: a lot of my own shows. that I don't necessarily have to go try to get booked for other things and is there a, a way to phrase when they are reaching out is there because i've had some people be like yo let me get a spot or yeah. um i'm in town let's do this like they yeah. won't even they don't even there's no professionalism behind mm-hmm. it do you do you pay attention to how they contact you definitely as well? a little
1: bit of that like you can t- like for me like yeah you can tell who's good at it because that will there's, there's the professionalism like i said a lot of times like i can usually tell a lot of times, if um, once you get booked, are usually people who drop references and it's usually good references. Mm, like okay. so-and-so, like, and sometimes it, when it's bad references, I, I know like, okay, just step, you know, stay away. <laughs> uh, but locally, a lot of times, like with New York what I tell them is I just, and this is, it's true, I do a lot of my booking in person, whether I, whether I see you at a show and I say, hey, come do my show, or I message you afterwards. I don't book anyone local who I've never seen perform before. So, you know, and, I'm, and I, I would say I'm kind of bad about going out to other shows now, but it doesn't even necessarily have to be someone I see perform. If I see, like, you know, if I see, like, the Laughless Girls booking you or Ian Neighbors booking you, then I know, okay, this person's good. And I think it goes the other way, it goes the other way around. If they see I'm booking someone who they've never heard of or never seen, then they know that they're good to book. Mm-hmm. So I think it's just, you know, proving yourself. And there's a lot of ways to prove yourself, and I think you have to go through that process. And yeah. I think a lot of people, like, try, try and fast-track it, you know, whereas, like, we talked about, I'm... You know, we're like 10 years in, I think people realize that sometimes it takes that long to get any kind of success. You know, mm-hmm. it's not, you know, and I think, that, I think what happens is a lot of people start off and they want to just jump right into it. And I was that way, too. Uh, and I think when I did it, it was probably a lot easier because there was a lot less comics. You know, when I, when I did it, I started Starbar when um, there was maybe 10, 15 comics in general, trying to get up.
0: Oh, yeah, you hit Rodney up on MySpace. Yeah, I hit him yeah. up on, yeah. <laughs>
1: and, yeah, for, like, the first year, you just basically just had to tell Rodney you were coming. And now there's hundreds of comics trying to buy for that spot. So it's, 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 it seems like every year, if you start off as a new comic, it's going to get tougher and tougher and tougher, unless you're just really, really good. Mm-hmm. And 1% of comics are probably really, really good. And then 1% of them are probably going to go on to actually succeed. So it's, but it also depends on what your definition of success is. I know plenty of comics... Here you in know, Atlanta, who are just happy to perform. like they, you know, they, have their, they do whatever else they're doing. They don't have dreams of moving off to New York or L.A. They're just happy to be involved with the scene or, and be involved with a group and get up and perform. And, I, you know, and I, I'm happy to have those people. I think I there's think different levels. You can have a little bit of everyone.
0: Yeah. It's important to be selective in your show, too. When we're talking about retention and getting people to come back, hmm if you sell out a venue, but then the comics on there aren't great, yeah. people aren't going to come back. Yeah. And if it's the same, that's, another thing is variety. Ooh, and and okay. I think we're
1: lucky enough uh, here in Atlanta We have lots of comics, but you also have a lot of comics coming through.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, so, for example, this weekend I have three shows here at Highland. Every show has a different uh, lineup. You know, and not necessarily I think people are going to come to every single show, but I want you to know if you come to one of these shows, you're going to have a different experience every single time. Uh, so I think that's important, you know, and it, that takes a little bit of work, you know, figure out who you booked and who you like, and also variety in the sense that you don't book the same people over and over again, but variety in the sense that everyone on the show is a little different.
0: Ah, yes. You
1: know, and you know, it doesn't it doesn't even just come down to like sex and race, just style, all that stuff. Like, make sure if I book ten comics, I want ten different perspectives on life, and that's why you know, because you, you might not you might like one, you might not like the other, but you're gonna get a variety, you're gonna get a lot of different you know takes on comedy.
0: And this show we're talking about started out as a Friday show, and it has yeah. since grown into a Thursday and Saturday show.
1: Yeah. Well, we just did the first, the second ever Thursday show last night, and that was actually Monday, uh, or like Sunday, I was here Sunday, and we realized there was nothing else going on until f- my show's Friday and Saturday, so we were like, so on Monday we decided, hey, why not do a Thursday show? And we had like 40 people come out last night, which isn't a big crowd, but what? for the, the fact that we decided, I put it online Monday- and then we had 40 people come out last night, which is kind of cool. That last minute. Yeah, yeah. Whereas Friday, our biggest day is Friday because people know that Friday is a like, – and what happens is sometimes we're not here, and then there's other events here, and people show up thinking it's $10. Buck, and oh. they, might say they, might, they might come to show that, oh, it might be a wedding, and they're like, okay, <laughs> wait a minute, this is not happening. <laughs> uh, so I've, I've tried to find out different ways to you know, stay in constant contact with our regulars and our, con- and our audience yes. and stuff like that.
0: Are you collecting emails? What's your What's your system? I there? actually, I
1: um, so I use Fresh Tickets for all my online sales, and they maintain an email database. So it's real easy for me. What I do is I just go through, and I click one little button, and it sends out an email to everyone who's ever bought a ticket from me. So I just, I just did it earlier this week Whoa. to promote the show last night, and we have like you know something like two, three thousand people because of that. So and then Fresh Tickets is a, it's and they're a local company too, who I worked really close with. So. so finding different elements like that like finding other people you know not necessarily the venue but the people you're working ticket in like um like i i think i'm real lucky to be in atlanta where we have you know multiple people doing multiple things where we can all kind of work together
0: yeah because you've always been on the branding piece as well you've always had posters mm-hmm. and you're you're always you always look at it from every angle that mm-hmm. polish yeah exactly yeah which is local artists you have involved in that as well yeah I, I, yeah usually if
1: i have a Post design, it's, it's almost always a local comic, too. Uh-huh. Someone who's involved in the comedy scene. So I, I And then, you know, when I have, I have uh, you know, people, who, the people who work my Dora comics, the people who do my Sound of comics. So that was another thing, is I, I I learned that I could find, if I succeed at producing a production company, I can then employ comics to do stuff involved. Because that's the thing is, there's not really much money in the performance aspect. No. Even people who succeed, who, you know, you see and doing like, Comedy Central specials, stuff like that, they usually... They usually making money doing other things, whether it's writing or whatever else, is very, mm-hmm. realistic. there's very little money in the actual performance aspect, yes. so you have to find those other niches to get paid and do stuff like that, so it's funny, sometimes, you know, I, In these days I'm able to book, uh, you know, uh, pretty much pay every comic on my show, might not be much, but if you work in the door, you're going to get much more money, you know, so uh, so I, I like the idea of being able to employ comics or stuff like that, even, my, even when I get posters printed, I use a comic who lives out of state, but he's a comic who works on a pr- who works for a printing company. So all the money that I'm putting out there is going towards other comics. This guy, yeah. this guy, the mayor <laughs> of comedy over yeah. here, <laughs> Reinvested. Yeah, I used to come. As, yeah, I used to come myself the mayor of Land College, but I think I need to move on because now I live in Milton, so I can't.
0: <laughs> the yeah. mayor of Milton. Yeah, yeah, but the mayor of comedy, I guess, works. Yeah. <laughs> I love, yeah, I love your aspect to reinvesting into comedy as well, Mm -hmm. and that's why, I mean, that's why I do this podcast as well, is giving comics, like, all this insight that, I mean, I get asked about shows, I got asked uh, yesterday about, like, oh, how do do I approach a venue or things like that, and I was like, well, I know the expert, Yeah, (laughs) like, I've done some shows, but this guy, it's his, like, job to do this.
1: Yeah, I'd say it's it's my passion, too, like, you know, here, here we are on a comedy podcast, and I feel like like, I told my girlfriend I was doing this. She's like, well, what are you going to be doing? And I was like, I'm, I just explained to her, she's like, oh, so it's, you're not going to be funny. And I was like, no, it's like, <sighs> it's comedy related, but like, I, but this is, like, I'm not the person who likes to sit after a show and like riff and stuff like right. that. Right, yeah, I mean. Uh, and I don't, but I, I will sit down and talk about, uh, I'll talk about all the other aspects of comedy, you know, like the production aspect or the booking pro- Like, that's what I find, that's what I'm passionate about, you know. Yes. Because even my own stand-up, I don't, like, I don't write, I don't, I don't sit down and write, I don't, you know, I'm real bad about that. I don't think about where I'm going to go because I, I usually I'm, I would say 90% of the shows I do on my own so I'm usually focused on every other aspect and then it comes down to show time and I have one minute to go oh I'm about to go on stage so I literally just get on stage and then kind of figure it out from there um, so I, yeah I think I, 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 my passion is figuring out all the other aspects like figuring out what makes a perfect show because mm-hmm. uh, when you perform on the show you're just one tiny part of it but if you're the producer of the show you get to like I said have control over the whole aspect but now it's to me now I go to other people's shows and I'm like I want to dim the lights or like do different things right. and kind of like tweak things, you know. I'll give like sometimes I I, I come off <laughs> as a little strong. Like hey, maybe you should do this, you know. <laughs> uh,
0: but I'm trying to help, so I think. And that that's why I want to empower comics to at least try your own show, so you have a whole new respect for mm-hmm. when you're at other comedy shows that are run well. Just all the work that mm-hmm. goes in to a well-run show. Yeah.
1: Like here, I get you know I I get here. Like before this, I was setting up chairs and stuff. like I get, I get to, like, it's weird. When I'm producing a show, like, I usually show up to uh, the venue no no less than, like, two hours in advance. Whereas if I'm performing on a show, I'm usually there two minutes before the show starts. Right, right. Because I, I know how shows work. Like, I think, um, uh, thankfully, here in Atlanta, a lot of people who are succeeding shows have learned, like, you know, there's all the different elements of uh, success for a comedy show, but the, probably the most important is starting on time. Boom. Or as close to on time as possible. Mm-hmm. That was the thing I failed it a lot early on, is I would hold off sometimes 30 minutes, 45, an hour to start the show, hoping that more people show up, and you end up just upsetting the people who did show up on time. So now, Greg Barron says best, was uh, like, you know, reward the people who show up on time, you know? Because mm-hmm. I think also, if you, if you do, even if you do start a show on time and people do show up late, I think they're more inclined to be like, oh, I should get here earlier next time, or stuff like that.
0: What so, about the duration of a show? Like the length of a show. It changes.
1: Like, even the show I do here at Highland, sometimes it's 80 minutes, sometimes it's two hours, you know, it just Mm. just depends on who's around, who's in town, but I think if it's good enough, it can do well. Like, I had a, you know, a show recently where Dave Waite and Shane Moss were in town, so Mm -hmm. I gave them both like 20 minutes each, on top of where we were already 80 minutes, and so it was a long show, but they were that level where they could pull it off, and they they still pulled the crowd in, and stuff like that. Uh, but my ideal show is like 75 minutes, like 90 minutes top. But if I could do like, like when I do these other small, like smaller satellite shows, where I maybe only have two or three other comics, I try to keep like 75 minutes to 80 minutes. Okay. Um, like that's what we do. At Sweetwater, we hit about 80 minutes to an hour, but we also open up an hour ahead of time so people can come drink ahead, you know, drink hang out. And then we try to get be done so they have like another maybe like 30 minutes or so to sort of hang out afterwards as well. Uh, but I think, you know, like, 90 minutes, I think, is ideally it sh- it should be, like, a peak, like if you can. Unless it's just a really, really good show. Like, Star Bar, for example, it's, like, a three-hour show. They, you know, the crowd kind of comes and goes, but it's always a crowd. Uh, but it's always, whether even necessarily the comics aren't always the best on the show, because Rotteny will give other people chances. Um, it's a show that you know is going to be good for the most part. You, don't know, you never know who's going to show up. So it, 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 it keeps you enthralled by it.
0: it. Star Bar is an example of a show that's built... The trust with the audience, exactly. Yeah. So they've built the trust to go three hours and maybe have some hit or misses, but overall it's going to be a good experience. Exactly. So, yeah. it's experience. Yeah. Experience. Good, yeah. Good
1: experience. I think that every show should be an experience. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you want them stepping away thinking they, you know, they just experienced something. You know. Yeah. But what's and that's you know. Ideally a memorable one, ideally a good memorable one. But even if, even if it's a bad memorable one, it's still an experience. You know? It's still, <laughs> still something that's going to stick with it.
0: <laughs> yeah, because you'll do the theme shows as well, mm-hmm. like the underwear show and the roasts and things like that. But actually, you mentioned comic. Do you care, just real quick, uh, what time comics get there? Is that something comics need to not, be mindful of? Not really.
1: As long as, for the most part, as long as they show up on time, or if they don't, they're okay if I'm going to put them wherever I put them. And I think most comics are cool about that. But it's fine, right? newer comics, new people are booked. It's, it's, it's my own gripe, but it shouldn't be annoyed because it's what they should be doing. But it's funny, comics sometimes reach out to me and go, well, what's the call time? And I just say, try to get that before the show starts. you know? Oh, like, okay. Because if they get the tour, it's just more stuff I have to deal with. I'm Because like, I, I, don't, I don't think about the lineup in advance. I, I usually do the lineup as people are showing up or sometimes five minutes before we start. And the, the people who you can tell are more professional and more in, into it. They're other types who are, like who don't ask when they're going up. They're like, they wait till you tell them. You can, you can be the third comic in and go, oh yeah, I have you going seventh. And like, okay, cool. Like they're prepared to go up whenever they have to go up. Uh, whereas you can kind of tell like you know the, like the newer comics will show up like what's do you have the lineup? When am I going up? You know, which is fine.
0: And then they ask you again though. Yeah, yeah. They ask you re- repeated times. Like, yeah. When am I going up? Am I next? How yeah. many more? So, yeah, as relax. long as you, yeah,
1: as long as you show up. Even if you don't show up, there's people. Some, I, I'm not the person who will get upset because I know things happen. And if you don't have to tell me, and I'm gonna forget about it anyway. But as long as you show up, for the most part, I'm okay. But again, be cool if I'm gonna put you up. Like my biggest gripe is when comics show up five minutes after the show, and I don't even—they not, not—they weren't there when I started the show, so I don't have them on the lineup. And they show up, go oh, I'm not in the lineup. I'll go get well, you're number seven. And they're like, oh, can I go up early? I'm like, well, you weren't here, <laughs> you know. So like that, that's the type. Those are the type like that kind like. For me, that's the kind of stuff that w- is most likely going to prevent me from wanting to put you back up. You know?
0: Boom. That's exactly what I was just thinking. You do not forget. I'm telling you, there were comics on my show that ran the light belligerently. Mm. Oh, yeah. And they were never back. Exactly. I yeah. never forgot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, things like that. Yeah, yeah, if you like, belligerently is fun. Like, well, a
1: man or two over. Of course. I'll, you know, I'll, probably, I'll forget by the next comic. And they'll come up with a podcast. But if you're belligerent about it, belligerent. like, I will never book you ever again. <laughs> yep. That's the one thing I'll think about stuff like that. Uh, that and, like, constantly. Like, if I had to tell you one, two times and not talk during the show, I'm probably not going to ever book you. you know?
0: <laughs> the mayor. Yeah.
1: These days, I just tell people, like, hey, if I, if I knew who the talker is, I just used to say, hey, I want you to step outside,
0: you know? <laughs> or go back there, go somewhere else. All right. So here we go, Joe. We've talked about the venues. We've talked about, oh, the comics and tips and how to build your audience or engage with them at the show. Marketing. Mm-hmm. Let, let's, let's, let's go head first into marketing because this is the bridge between a show, a show like building or a show just like sustaining or failing is that marketing piece. Mm-hmm. And there's so many different theories about what works and what doesn't, but you announce a show on a Monday and then Thursday, you can get 40 people out there. Yeah. What is your approach to marketing?
1: Uh, engagement. Like, I used to do posters and ads and stuff like that. and those all work. But for me, engagement's what's most important. Um, also, providing all the information. Like, I, for me, uh, say, like, a good Facebook event page is something that has every, all the information you can possibly, like, where, where is it? What's the address? What's the parking situation? What's the age limit? Um, What time our door is? What time does the show start? Stuff like that. How much does it cost? Stuff like that. And then constant engagement.
0: What do you mean by engagement?
1: Like, for example, what I think a lot of people, especially on Facebook, don't take advantage of is there's a place on events to post stuff. So leading up to the show, like, for example, when we do the roast, I'll maybe once a week I'll post, like, hey, here's a silly meme about what we're doing. Here's the ticket link. And then leading up to it, here's tonight's show. We have tonight's show. Here you go. Um, Constant engagement like that. Um, whereas I see event pages where the, you, know, you have that whole discussion aspect and it's just completely empty because every time you post on something like that or engage something, they're going to be notified. Whether they look at it or not, it's constantly mm-hmm. reminding them about this thing. Uh, so I think engagement, not just on you know, on social media but other aspects, websites, stuff like that, kind of doing the emails and stuff like that, but it's engaging your audience, constantly reminding them that you exist, mm. um, whereas I think that's more important than trying to focus, Accumulate new audience members, trying to keep the ones you already have. Because again, I think word of mouth is, I think, the most successful marketing. The, if you have someone who's interested in what you do, they will tell other people about it, uh, and that to me is more valuable than any like Facebook ad or Instagram ad or anything like that. Uh, so yeah, constantly engaging and and then appreciation, showing people like you know like when I do send out these emails, I'll off like you know I'll off like half off coupons or something like that or promo codes like to in different different v- avenues like offer of different things just to try and engage people and show them, like, hey, I appreciate you, here's something. To, you know, so, so for example, last night, the 40 people who were there, I was like, hey, here's a promo code to get a free show next time you wanna come. Stuff like Whoa, that, just, okay. we appreciate you coming out last minute, here's a reward for coming out, you know? here's some other stuff. You know? So constantly engaging and rewarding your audience members I think is more important um, than anything you could do advertising-wise. Like, I, 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 don't, I don't spend any money on advertising anymore. I used to do like Facebook ads, even posters. I I, I hardly ever get posters made up, because from my experience, word of mouth and engagement is what has m- the most successful. Um, here, Doing a show here helps because of how much growth has happened around. Like we got a lot of people from the neighborhood. I was here yesterday making the sign, and two different people approached me who I never, I don't recognize, but there are two different people who approached me who come to the shows. Mm-hmm. I, I, wrote, I wrote Thursday, Friday, and when a guy comes up to me, going. He goes, Georgia State, right? Because I have a whole bit about going to Georgia State. He uh, goes, hey. He goes, I went from Auburn. Where I come from, we put the D in Thursday. And he points out and I, I misspelled Thursday. <laughs> but it's a, a guy I didn't recognize. But he's like, yeah,
0: me and my wife, we love your shows. We might come out tonight. So what? stuff like that is
1: kind of cool, yeah.
0: Yeah, and yeah, it's important. You have a sign out front. You yeah. have like one of those sandwich board signs out front of the venue. And they provide, the venue provided that. Like, okay. So I used to do, like a, do, do, do posters and all that stuff. And now
1: like they have like you know the signs up where it has one upcoming our website they. You know, they did that for me. Like I didn't even ask. For, I showed up one day, and that was just there. It's mm-hmm. stuff we had talked about, and it just kind of happened. Um, so ha- again, having a venue that's one hundred percent behind you, one hundred ten percent behind you, that they will go out of the way to do stuff like that and promote the shows and whatnot. Um, but yeah, I think yeah. But
0: maintaining engagement is like the most important thing. And you're talking about the area around here booming. Do you hang up? Posters or any... Do you do any other advertising at the other local businesses or apartment complexes or anything?
1: I used to, but again, not, I haven't done it in a while. I don't, think I've, I don't think I've put up a single poster flyer this year. Okay. Um, I used to, like, for, for the underwear show, I used to fly the heck out of uh, uh, Georgia State, and I haven't done that, and, I, and the numbers have actually gone down. So I think that oh, was one show okay. that definitely benefited because Georgia is right next to Village Theater, so it kind of helped, and it would pull in a college crowd and stuff like that. So, um... It's something I need. I, I need to be better about, uh, especially for like more like one-off shows. I think that helps to advertise. But I think if you build a good, like you know, sweet uh, not Sweetwater, but Starbucks is an example of that. They don't have to advertise because people just know about it. Or even Sweetwater, we do. We don't really market that that much because people just are just aware of it, you know. And hopefully, I, well, hopefully they're aware of it. And then it's funny people show up and go, I I never heard of this. We've been doing the show for years. Like I never heard the show that's even better cuz now they're engaged by it. Like they're like I've never heard of I can't believe I've been missing out on this. Right. I want to come all the time now. Uh so yeah, I think it's it's a mix. I think, you know, if you're starting off a show, it helps to have posters especially in the venue you're performing at. And, you know, I think cuz that's, you know, if you if you're starting a venue a new uh, a show in a new venue, your core audience is going to be people who already, you know, support that venue. Boom. So if they go to the bathroom and see a post, you know, if they're there every night and they see a poster for your show every night, it's gonna be, oh, that's cool, I might wanna check that out. You know? Or if it's their first time there, they might go, oh, I might come back for this. Um, so here, like, you know, like, again, we have the signs out front, so everyone who's walking by, everyone who sees the venue. Um, you know, Laughing and is a great example. If, if you drive down Peace Street, you can't help but notice Skull. You Skull. Know, mm-hmm. So you know, it's, whether you've been there or not, you know it's there. And so if you think comedy, you might think, oh, I'm gonna go check out this place.
0: And you mentioned you used to do Facebook ads, mm-hmm. which sounds like it could be a good way to build your audience. Mm-hmm. Well, what's your strategy with Facebook ads?
1: Uh, it was a mix. Like for a lot of times I would focus, like if it was like, say, like, like the 10 buck show, I'd focus on advertising to my already built-in audience. Um, when we do the character rows, sometimes I'll still do them for those. And I, I um, market them towards fans of whatever I'm doing. Because hmm. like you, you can pick, like when you do like a Facebook ad, you can mm-hmm. pick like who do, want, who do you want to see this? So if we're doing like say, you know, um, a roast, like if we're doing the Roast of Game of Thrones coming up, I would do fans of Game of Thrones. I would do fans of Snow. I would like pick every specific character and have different elements that. Um, and then you, you know you can choose your your age, you know, geographically you can choose, which it's fine because I'll see ads either on Facebook or Instagram for shows like in Los Angeles. I've and I'm, seen that and I'm like, are you guys not paying attention to your marketing <laughs> to this too? Because I think a lot of times people just go, oh, push it out to comedy fans, which could be a lot, which you end up just gonna be promoting to, to comics, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think it's, if you are gonna spend money on advertising, you wanna be real strategic about who you, like marketing to the right people, mm-hmm. your, your niche audiences and stuff like that. What about the wording of your ads? Um, I change I that, try, I, I try again, be engaging, like make it sound conversational. Like I, I see so many where it's just like Thursday something, this, you know, it's just, it's the basic core info. I try to be like, Hey, you know, like, Oh, like make a little funny joke or something. Um, I kind of stole the, I, what, you know, a lot of corporations are doing now where you just kind of, you just use memes. Cause I think that's like huge right now that engages people and gets people's attention. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, different stuff like that, you know, and then, um, you know, finding out like what works and what doesn't work. Like for example, on Facebook, for whatever reason, the algorithm hates words on images. So for me, like what I've, I try to use, like I just try using like a real simple image. Like when if you look at um, the beer and comedy event, it's just a photo of me and Jeremy on stage with our audience, it looks like they're having a good time. And I think that's more engaging than you know, of image with all like I think you know, put the put the info somewhere else, but it doesn't have to necessarily be what the, the on the image. I guess like see SC2, I see too many we'll have the name of the show, the time, the price it's like way too much information on an image for it to get out there. Uh, hello? Someone knocking? Maybe. Is the door locked? I don't know. I don't know. What? Yeah. <laughs> Someone's trying to come in and get coffee or something. <coughs> oh yeah. Yeah, come
0: on oh, in. Yeah, we're doing an interview. Yeah. Oh. Say Wait, hey to so You can come works. you come on in though. <laughs> Say hey to him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey. Okay, it's fine. Okay, cool, thank you. Yeah. thank you. Thank you.
1: <laughs> that's why I love this
0: place. Everyone's so nice. Ooh, you know? Everyone has been so nice. Yeah, yeah. They were coming here when I was setting up, and they're like, "Oh, sorry, I just want some water." I was like, "You can drink water." Yeah, this yeah, isn't come America. on, in. <laughs> this isn't Flint. You're so safe. I you wish I would drink some of your water. You take it away, yeah. man. Maybe we both should. Yeah, let have a little Fontas break here. Cheers to you, sir. Yeah,
1: stay hydrated.
0: Mm.
1: That's something I'm bad about. Mm. Oh, but you know. um Speaking of drink, I would say my uh, the biggest aspect of my success was quitting booze. I was just about to ask if yeah. you are still sober. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I I'm not. I don't because I I I'm so, yeah. I just hit four years in February.
0: Congrats, man! That's huge. In that
1: time period, I've had maybe ten beers throughout those four years. I'll still like Sweet. While if they have a new beer, I'll sample it every single time. And I'll get, I'll drink like one sip and get that five-minute buzz, and yeah. then that five-minute, like, ugh. Exactly. And then that five-minute, like, <laughs> oh, and I'm like, oh. So it's like a, it's like a physical reminder why I don't do it. But that, right. you know, in many ways has helped. You know, it's helped me in so many ways because now I just I just have more time and more money to focus on all the other aspects. Mm-hmm. So I think uh, you know stepping away from the party aspect of it and focusing more on the professional aspect of it has helped me in so many ways. I agree. I think I'm more I'm more, more likable and more f- fun to be around now. People want to be around me whereas mm-hmm. back in the day people were like oh, you know, he's trouble, so I don't want to be around him, yeah.
0: Oh, I remember the yeah. I remember the Jesus Joe. Yeah, this yeah. guy used to have long hair, a beard. We were, I mean, we did spuds. Oh yeah. It was a a strip mall restaurant known for potatoes. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder why it failed. <laughs> But that was like the first place I think we ever met, mm-hmm. and yeah, I was just like, "Who is this guy?" Yeah. <laughs> you're, like, you're like, "I have a show at a Moose Lodge. I go to a Moose Lodge. We're getting heckled by an old guy drunk with an oxygen tank, yep. <laughs> like, and Kermit. We're like, like, what is happening?'" Yeah, yeah.
1: Now I, you know, I want the, I want, I want the performance <laughs> to be the experience, not everything else. You
0: know. But you had to fail to learn. Mm-hmm, exactly. Yeah. You know, all those failures are lessons. Right. You probably f- had more shows fail than succeed when you think of the average, just like your. Oh, absolutely, you're, yeah. Way more jokes fail than succeed. Yeah. Same th- thing with a show.
1: I think I about evened out now. Uh, but, you know, up until really the last four or five years, you know, most of my. Sh- even the last couple of years, I, I've done shows at venues that. It only works for like two or three months, and then it kind of just doesn't pan out, you know. And I think every single time, we both parties were just not 100% into it, is what happened. Boom. You
0: know? So that seems to be. Is that the biggest reason you think shows fail? Is that either the venue's not 100% behind it, or the performers aren't, or the, mm-hmm. or the producer isn't? Everyone's yeah. got to be
1: behind it. I think it. so, yeah, yeah. Because in you know, here, you know, this is why I've had the most success. I think it was Highland is because they're 100% behind me, and I love being here. Like I sh- mm-hmm. and that's why I show up. Like I guess I show up to most shows two hours ago. I show up here five, or six hours early, mostly because I'm trying to avoid traffic. Also, I had to get everything set up, and that I can be comfortable, and I can kind of hang out. It's a great neighborhood. I can go walk and get like food or something like that. Mm-hmm. So just you know being involved and being around and stuff like that. Whereas I think a lot of people we see fail shows. It's because the, con- the host is showing up like you know 15 minutes before the show, is going through the motions and stuff like that. Especially like open mics and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, we just started doing open mic here where I have Rachel Epstein and Spencer Taylor host, and I picked them specifically because they they add like an, an interesting new kind of element to it, and they have fun with it. You know, like, they, they make it so it's a f- not just you know, an open mic. It's fun for the comics, and we can actually get an audience because it's fun for them as well. They're not just going through the motions. They go, oh, let's get on stage. I'm performing in front of, you know, other comics again. It's like, what, what can we do differently
0: to make this more engaging? Yeah, And two 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 hosts. They're up there yeah, yeah. together? No, they switch, they switch back oh, and they forth. they switch. Okay. But
1: because, they're, because it's both of them, they, they come with with different ideas and stuff like that. And I think that's where you see a lot of success nowadays is shows where they have multiple producers, like even, you know, even like, yes. uh, even Sweetwater, you know, Jeremy Meesey, he doesn't get the credit that he probably deserves because he's been by my, my side the whole time and we're officially co hosts and co producers But I think a lot of people put that on me, but if it wasn't for him, that show wouldn't exist because he was there guiding me along in my trouble times. And to this day,
0: bailing you he, out. Yeah, exactly. He's literally <laughs>
1: Bailing me out of jail so I can make it, you know, uh, or, you know, getting me out of the hospital so I can make it, stuff like that. Uh, but you know, we we put, like he see things that I don't see, and I see things that he don't he doesn't see. So, to have that kind of to have different perspectives on how things should go,
0: I would agree. From someone who produced a show alone, yeah, for seven years and seeing the success I had overall with it, you know, in terms of an audience <laughs> being built and things, uh, I would highly recommend teaming up yeah. on doing a show if you want to succeed. Yeah. There are so many different responsibilities that if you put it all on your shoulders, like. Yo, yeah, it's, it's something's gonna break. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> and I said, you know, here the shows at Highland, I pretty much produce by myself. But I, pu- I have other people help, I have other people in other aspects. You know, like when we do the roast, you know, I pu- I put out the, like who I put out to the the comics. What what should we do this time? Let's with some suggestions. What should we do? Uh, and then you know, like I say I have you know comics working the door and comics working sound and stuff like that. So I i'm producing it by have other people helping me with the other smaller elements and stuff like that mm-hmm. you know thankfully, the show itself is kind of easy it 's just a showcase where there's an, 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 you know there's a never ending influx of comics who are available to do it who want to do it so that's the easy finding comics is kind of easy it's all the other aspects you have to kind of you know think about and whatnot
0: would you recommend a comic who's thinking about starting a show? Would you recommend they start an open mic or a book showcase it's like what's the yeah, what what's the best route to kind of get your foot in the door?
1: Maybe yeah, it's, that's a, that's a weird one because you know I would. S- part of me wants to say showcases of how miserable it is to run an open mic, but that might be the best way to kind of figure out the kinks of stuff, like figure mm-hmm. out like the, what how things work and how things don't work. As if it's an open mic, I think there's less pressure about it being 100 percent good, right? Um, and you can have probably a little bit more success getting people out. You know, like if you have open mic, you know. But you also have to focus on trying to make it a good open mic, too, because if it's just another bad open mic, it's just going to die out. Yep. Um, but I think, you know, focus on that so you kind of also, you know, especially if you're newer, it's going to help you learn the scene and learn new comics, stuff like that. Too often, I think, people early on, will, myself included, will start doing showcases, and they just book the comics they know over and over and over again. And so it, that kind of takes away from it. So it just, I guess it depends on also finding out what the venue wants. These days, I, mm-hmm. I, I sometimes I get venues – and so, but sometimes you also have to find out what the venue wants, but also fighting for what you want. Like so A lot of times I've approached my venues, anyone want to do an open mic, and I'm like, I don't want... It. And I have to tell them, like, well, keep in mind, if you do an open mic, it's an open forum. You're going to have anyone come in and say whatever they want. And so the other time's like, okay, well, let's maybe focus on something <laughs> else, you know. <laughs> or it's gonna, or you are 45 minutes outside the city, it's going to be hard to get comics every week to show up to do an open mic. But if you have a book showcase and you have incentives like pay... Of, comp meals, stuff like that, it's going to get better comics out, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, so I think, yeah, it just depends on what you're trying to get out of it yourself.
0: So when you, when you are talking to these venues, how do you talk about the money specifically? Like, how do, you, how do you bring it up? Are you first, like, are you interested in the show? And then it's like, okay, here's my idea for the payment. Or how do you tread those waters? Yeah, I'm still
1: bad about that. A lot yeah. of times, I just kind of, a lot of times, if, especially if they're doing, other thing, if they're doing, like, say, like, a music night, or character, I kind of, like, well, what do you do for this? Mm-hmm. What are you, what are you paying these guys? And a lot of times they'll kind of be honest with you. Sometimes they'll come straight up forward to you and be like, "Hey, what what do you need?" And I feel like sometimes I under these I used to undershoot myself. Now I kind of overshoot myself to see if they'll go for it, and also that what is it gonna make it worthwhile for me? You know, uh, what's so a think, good number for what you need? I think you know if you, like it just depends on the show and what you want to produce. But for me, I, I it's going it's gonna be hard. Pre- I'm gonna be hard pressed to do a show. Um, for really, anything less than like two hundred or two hundred fifty dollars. Okay. Because that's you know I'm, I because I want to be able to book headliners and comics. You know people who I want to be able to pay the comics a decent amount. We'll also make a little bit of money myself. Uh, but I, I, the ideal show is like a thousand dollars. You know okay. if I can yeah. if I can get a thousand dollars, I can put on the best show in the world. Um, but so that's why I like doing um, more of a door deal because it's, it's a gamble. You have to get people to show up to make money, but then you have more of a chance of making a, like. You're, fi- you're probably not gonna find a bar that's willing to give you a thousand bucks, but you might find a bar that's willing to give you a hundred or two hundred bucks, you know. Mm-hmm. And you can still put on a good show for that. Um, whether you're keeping all the money yourself, or paying out the comics, or just using the money for advertising, I think you need something to incentivize everyone, you know. Whereas I feel like the venue feels like they're putting something forward too. Um, but there's also, you know, like I think you know, there's plenty of room for free shows as well. If you're just trying to build, you know, a poor, Like I did plenty of shows for. Free you know, I did the show at five to nine. The open mic that still exists. I did. I never made a single dime off of that, but it was worth it to me to build that rapport with the venue and build the scene up. Well, same thing when we do the open mic here. Um, there's no money involved, but we're building, we're helping comics build themselves, and, and seeing new people and kind of stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's, I think it's, it depends on if. Again, I think if you're if you're doing comedy for money, you're going. You it's the wrong biz. Right. You right. Know? But if you can find venue that's willing to give you, um, you know, some kind of compensation, that definitely makes it worthwhile.
0: And I think it's valuable just to be hosting a show as well. Yeah. Like it, that, I learned more from hosting a show for seven years in terms of being on stage that much and interacting with an audience mm-hmm. that much. I've learned more about how to do comedy just from hosting a show. Yeah. So even if you're looking to just get more stage time and host a show. I think cr- producing your own show is a great way to just get better at comedy faster, mm-hmm. even if you're not getting paid. Right. Yeah, exactly. Just, just for a reference, you know, uh, Java Monkey, full disclosure, I would get 25 a show, and then after, like, four years, I was like, hey, you know, we've been doing this a while. How about 50? And yeah. And they're like, okay. And I was like, oh, I should have 150. <laughs> she asked earlier. So it was yeah. literally... for. In the, in the perspective, it's like, oh, $50. It's nothing. Yeah, it's yeah. literally nothing for the amount of work that goes into a show and going there every week. Mm-hmm. So, just perspective for comics because they want to know numbers. You know, yeah. It's like you said, minimum 200 I think that's a great starting point. Don't undersell yourself, mm-hmm. but also have perspective. If you're two years in the game and you're like, I want to do my own show, well, it, may be, it may be for free. Yeah, yeah. But you're getting a lot of good hosting experience that'll, and also it's a great, way to build your audience and mm-hmm. build fans
1: yeah and learn and, and and figure it out learn you know learn you know yes yeah
0: are there any hosting tips you have for them from your years of hosting
1: uh yeah to not put yourself over and that's really hard as stand up comics and that's like a wrestling term but i think put yourself over <laughs> yeah i think as a host you have to remember that you your main role is to kind of keep the show all together and i, I was well you know bad about when i first started doing it but you know, I think a lot of comics, they you know the comic the, the hosts who do bits in between every comic mm-hmm. and stuff like that focus too much on themselves. Um, that takes away from the show, and it's, and it's super obvious to the audience and the comics, and it's just gonna annoy everyone. So I think the key for hosts is, you know, do your time up front. It doesn't have to you know, not even have to do that well. It's all about just starting the show and building up. This is what we're doing. Like I've done so many road gigs. Like these comedy zone one nighters where they have a house MC who literally just goes up and goes, "Hey guys, thanks for coming out. Here's a, here's some weird little thing. Now here's your first comic. Like it's it's all about just we're here for comedy. Now let's do comedy. It definitely um. helps, um, you know, if the host is really funny and, and can engage the crowd. Like you said, I think I've grown more as a host. Um, that's grown my comedy more than anything, you know. Because uh, you know, you have to figure out a way how do I engage this crowd immediately and how do I keep them engaged to be ready for the next comic. It's not to say you can't you know do stuff in between, but I think it takes a long time to get to that comfort level, you know. Uh, but yeah, the, the <laughs> I think the biggest advice is just don't do bits in between comics. Mm-hmm. You can have a little aside and stuff like that, but it's so obvious when comics try to do bits, and the I almost it, I've never seen it do well. I've never seen a comic go up or a host go up. And do the three minute bit in between uh, in between comic and see it do well. Yeah. sometimes you know people ask, like sometimes a headline might ask you, "Oh, go up and do some time, stuff like that. There's are exceptions, but otherwise, just keep the momentum of the show going. Your job is to get up there, get
0: their attention, and then keep introducing people and keep bringing people up. They call that host lining,: yeah, hostlining <laughs> yeah hostlining. <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. Yeah, hosting is so great. I love it because the pressure is off to be funny. Mm-hmm. It really is just about establishing a connection with the yeah. audience. So that's why I always recommend comics to host a show just yeah. for that value of learning how to connect with an audience. Yeah. And if and if you can connect to them and be funny, it's
1: that right. much it makes you that much better. If you right. can if you can be if you can be hosting a show and get a big laugh within the first minute or two, like you're doing well, you mm-hmm. know. And it, and that and sets up the show for everyone else is it kind of builds, it builds the, the, the expectations like Oh, this is going to be a good show.
0: Cause the host was funny, you know? Right. Right. Dude, this has been amazing. Oh yeah. <laughs> you, you dropped all of them. I mean, is, <laughs> is there anything you think we overlooked that you comics need to know about? Again, I think it's just, you know, there's no, everyone has a different path. So
1: what, what might be success for someone else might not be successful for you, but you also can't allow someone else's success to take away from your own. You know, everyone's doing differently. Everyone has a different path. Um, And you might, two people might be doing the same exact thing and someone, you know, it's not going to work out for both parties. So I think you just got to be appreciative of this. Like the fact that we're able to do this
0: Mm -hmm. and that
1: people might sometimes pay to come see us just talk, essentially. Uh, You know, to tell people, you know, to just go up and talk about ourselves. Like the fact that we can do that on a nightly basis is kind of exceptional. So I think just, yeah, be, you know, be, I'd say super humble, but be be appreciative of what it is. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Let me bring a tear to my eye. Yeah. The mayor of comedy, spitting game. (laughs) And it took me years to develop that mindset. But I tell you comics, the sooner you can develop that mindset, the quicker you're going to find success. Mm -hmm. Because then you will figure out what your success is. Exactly. Because you're not so worried about what everyone else's success is. It constantly changes too, you know. Mm
1: -hmm. And I think, think, you know, I I definitely, you know, see, it's especially weird now, 10 years in, because I have so many people who, in those 10 years, either they started at the same time as me or shortly after me. And now I see, like, I'm on commercials or late night spots <laughs> <laughs> or a correspondent like, Daily Show. So right. it's kind of like, it's, it's, sometimes it is a little off putting, like, oh, wow, that person's doing this. Well, I might not do that, but I'm also like, oh, well, I get to do this, you know? So, like, it's, again, it's different for everyone. And, and you know, it's definitely a hustle to it, and you definitely have to work for it. No matter what you want to do, you have to work hard for it. And everyone you see who does succeed, there's a good chance that they worked very hard to be that point. It wasn't given to them. They right. worked as hard as they possibly could to get where they are. And the only way you can do that is by doing the same
0: work hard. Yeah. You got to put the time in, you know, it's a job. Yeah. It's a this job. This is right? a job. Yeah. Well, all right. Hot breath verse. We've done it. Yeah. Yet another one here with what, Joe. Pettis. What episode number is this? This will be, we're in the one seventies. So, okay. So, so 35 this one, to 170. 35 to 170 something. Okay, yeah, yes. yeah. 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 Nice. so it, it's it's been great to see the arc the when we interviewed you the first time it was more like i'm kind of doing these things here and there and now it's like oh i have a production business because like before one up wasn't even like a, an established like llc yet yeah yeah like, now it is a full-fledged like business yeah
1: now yeah it's funny because now i you know at the end of the show i write comics checks that have one up comedy. It's, wow. it's so it's it's, it's <laughs> so weird like i had a, i had a headliner recently <laughs> And you know, and he's you know after the show, he's he's talking all the comics, and I go, hey, and he goes, oh, let's go talk shop. And it was it was almost, and I had to as we were walking back to the you know the green room, I was like, uh, you, you know that phrase, um, it's like a, in, in, in like superhero movies, it's like if if you don't die the hero, you become the villain. Every time I write a check to someone, I feel like I'm becoming the villain. You know. <laughs> The the, clo- the closer I get to being, like, the closer I, the closer okay. I feel like the closer I get to being like a comedy club owner. I'm like, oh no, yeah. <laughs> I'm like becoming the man, you know, in, in a way that I didn't necessarily envision myself becoming. Uh, but I think it's, it's, but I think it's 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 a cool, it's a cool, it's been cool, and I
0: really appreciate it. So, do you want to have your own club one day? I don't. I'm, I'm torn. You know,
1: I think uh-huh. uh, part of me yes, but part of me like you know the idea of that I can show up to a venue and they have like everything I need to you know, and not have to worry about paying rent and all that stuff or getting liquor licenses and stuff right. like that. But I think, but I think I would, I think one day
0: I'd like to, yeah, yeah. Ooh. Yeah. That'll be on the next one. Yeah. Kind of the comedy club that Joe Pettis built. Yeah. <laughs> so if you could, for the Hot Breath of Verse, could you, could you look into the camera and let comedians know why they should listen to Hot Breath? Uh, Well, I think, uh, um, well, I, I'm gonna give a shout, shout out uh,
1: to my buddy Carter. He's out in Arkansas and he, he, he hit me up one day and asked me if I knew who you were, because <laughs> he's like, I love his podcast. He's a, he's a, he's a guy who started, he's, a radio, he's actually a radio DJ who started doing comedy, and he loves his podcast because he gets insight into different perspectives on comedy. Mm. So I think that's why you should listen to, is you're going to listen to different people, and I've, see, I've seen who you've had on the show, and you've had different people who have had success in multiple aspects to get that kind of like their perspective, so... And now and might be back in like a hundred episodes or so. So yeah, and Carter,
0: I, I have these. I have notebooks now. I'm selling notebooks. Okay. And uh, Carter actually bought one and filmed an unboxing of oh, it. Oh, nice! And put it on YouTube and <laughs> Facebook. That's cool. I was like showing my wife. I was like, "Hey, honey, we made it. See? <laughs> he has a notebook with my face on. It. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, thanks for doing this, man. It's oh yeah, thanks an for having me. Thrill. I. I could not be happier for the success you've had. It's cool to be in the game now and starting to see the arc of people's careers. Like Mm -hmm. you said, we see people go from open mics to the daily show, but then also open mics to prison, like, or open mics to now building their own platforms like you and I are doing. Mm -hmm. So, dude, I'm so happy for you. And I'm happy that you were watching this or listening to this hot breath of verse. So please, if you did find this valuable, like Carter did. Reach out to Joe, let him know how much you enjoyed this episode. Word of mouth, like Joe said, is going to be the best way to share this. So if you reach out to Joe, he's going to be more likely to tell other people about the episode. And reaching out to other comics. The word of mouth is our most powerful tool here. So tell other comics at your open mics or if you're at a weekend show or if you're at a comedy club and you meet the headliner, let him know about this podcast. Anybody that you know that is in the comedy game, just let them know that this is a tool here for them to use. They can also go to our website, hotbreathpodcast.com. There's links to be able to get the water here. There's merch. There's also other ways to just read our blogs or get other additional content. Also, rating and reviewing and subscribing is always very valuable here in the Hot Breathiverse. But overall just keep watching keep listening keep supporting i have to thank my wife at the end of all of these of oh, course well. you should she made the theme song so every episode at the end i've been like all right thank you honey for making the theme <laughs> song she even asked me to do it but now it's become like just a tradition that's here that's funny but otherwise there's only one thing left to do and that is inhale a hot breath ah <laughs> <sighs> Thanks, guys. Have a good day, night, evening. Bye. Go produce a show. Yeah. Get to work. (laughs) Stop being (laughs) entitled. Do something. Hot Breath. This episode of Hot Breath is sponsored by our Patreon. If any of our content has helped your comedy career, join our Patreon linked in the show notes and get positive comedy karma for life. Probably.